the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Hello and welcome as we lift up Jesus with Pastor Dudley Rutherford. I'm Kyle Welch, and we're glad you are joining us for tonight's broadcast. Have you ever asked yourself the question, who is Jesus? Or what does it mean to be saved? How about questions like, what is eternity? Or is there really a God? And where is he when I'm truly suffering? These are just some of the topics we explore every weeknight at this time. Over the next 30 minutes, you are going to hear a small taste of what Pastor Dudley Rutherford's teaching ministry is all about. Let's join Dudley right now as he begins his message for us tonight. I want you to take your Bibles today and turn to 1 Peter. And we started last week a new series called A Living Hope, which is the cover of your bulletin. I want everyone to say Peter. Peter. He was the one that wrote 1 Peter. He also wrote 2 Peter. And Peter is the same Peter that walked on water until he took his eyes off the Lord and he sunk. It's the same guy. It's the same guy that cursed and denied that he even knew the Lord three times before the rooster crowed. Same guy. It's also the same guy that on the day of Pentecost, after the resurrection, on the first day of the church, it was Peter who stood up and preached the very first gospel message. And some 3,000 people stepped forward and were baptized that day. That's the Peter who wrote this book. And last weekend, in the very first verse, we note that it was addressed to people that were strangers in the world. And we talked about that as Christians, that oftentimes we feel as though we're strangers in this world. And the people that Peter was writing this letter to were people who lived in Asia Minor, what we know today as modern-day Turkey, who had been scattered and who were being persecuted. And he's writing to these folks who are not welcome anymore in the culture of that day. And so I want you to write this down in your sermon notes as we begin as an introductory thought. We are not citizens on this earth trying to get to heaven. That's not what we're doing. We, if you're saved, we are actually citizens of heaven just living on this earth for a little while. If you're saved, you are a citizen of heaven this very moment. And you're not going to be on this earth very long. You're just not going to be compared to how long you're going to be in heaven. And while you're here, even for a little while, you are going to be shunned, ridiculed, made fun of if you're truly living for Jesus Christ. Now, Charles Pope gives us five different levels of forms or steps 
to being persecuted as believers. The first is when the world begins to stereotype us. And that's where they use a description for a few, and that description get used to describe all people. It's called stereotyping, like those Christians, those fanatics. And the Hollywood crowd uh, and the media have stereotyped Christians. The second level is when they begin to vilify. This is, a, this is a deeper level. This is where they begin to speak words that hurt and cut. Words like, you Christians are closed-minded. You Christians are intolerant. You Christians are homophobic. You Christians are uh, bigoted. You're, you're nothing but haters. They are vilifying us. The third level is when they actually go beyond words, and now you're actually being marginalized. They literally shove you to the side. Your opinion as a Christian is no longer welcome here in this culture. And Christians, uh, your voice is no longer welcome in the political arena. If you're involved in any kinds of politics and you're a Christian, the world will shout you down and say to you, as a Christian, you have nothing to do with politics in this country. It's called being marginalized. You're being marginalized in academia, in the educational institution of America. Christian's voice, no longer welcome. That's why if you have a student who graduates from a school and they're going to get to give the graduation speech, The school will not allow your son or daughter to even mention the name of Jesus Christ in their graduation speech because you're being marginalized. That's what happened to Tim Tebow in our culture. That's what happens to Candace Cameron Bure in our country, being marginalized. Now, the fourth level is when they criminalize. You see, they start off with just stereotyping, then they vilify, then they marginalize, and then they criminalize. And right now... In the United States of America, they are passing laws in this country against what you and I as Christians believe. And of course, the fifth step is actually being physically hurt, or maybe you lose a job, or you don't get a promotion, and it's this progression. Now, I want to ask you a question before I go on. You, no one else. How many of you have experienced any of these five things in this country? You yourself. You've experienced, as a Christian. And I want you to look at the list. How many of them have you experienced? Do you feel like you've been stereotyped? Do you feel like you've been vilified? Do you feel like you're being marginalized or criminalized for what you believe in this country today? When Peter wrote 1 Peter, he was writing it to Christians who were experiencing all five of those things. And what Peter is saying to us is how are we as Christians supposed to respond to a culture that has turned against us? The first half, he told us three things to do, to remember. The second half, he tells us three things not to do. All right, are you with me on this? Number one, write this down. He says, do not give up and conform to this world. When you're the odd man out and you don't feel at home and everyone else is drinking 
And everyone else is cursing. And everyone else is lying. And everyone else is cheating. And everyone else is going to Vegas. And you decide you're going to stand for Jesus Christ. When you decide to stand for Jesus Christ, you feel as though you're swimming upstream. You feel like you're going against the current because you're resisting the culture. And there comes a point, it just happens, where you get tired. You get tired of going against the stream and you finally give up. You go, well, it's easier if I just go along with the crowd. I would just, it just, it's just better if I just go with the flow. And Peter says, don't do it. Don't do it. Here's what the text says. Look at verse 13. Therefore, everybody say therefore. And that's the name of the sermon. Therefore, I want to give you some instructions. Prepare your what? It all starts up here, what you think about. Because what you think, you'll do. Prepare your mind for action. Be self, what? Be self-controlled, which means to be sober. Set. You've got to firmly establish that your hope is fully on the grace to be given you in Jesus Christ is revealed. What he's saying there is Jesus Christ is coming back again. He's coming back again. Don't ever forget that. Verse 14, as obedient children, you need to be obedient. Here it is. Do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance, but just as he who called you is holy, so you be holy in all that you do. For it is written, be holy because I am holy. I want you to write that down. We're, we're not to conform to this world. We are supposed to be holy. If you're holy, you'll be different than the world that is unholy. And what Peter is saying, because these people are in the midst of the persecution being vilified and marginalized, if you feel like giving up and going and just going with the flow, don't do it. Because you are holy, and the word holy, write this down, it means to be set apart. God has actually called you out of the world. And he has set you apart from the world. You're not supposed to be like the world. And the word set apart does not mean that God calls you out of the world and just sets you over in the corner all by yourself and you're over there, you don't know what to do. No, it means that he's called you out and set you apart for God's purposes here in this earth. And he quotes from Leviticus 11, he says, be holy, he says, because I am holy. I want to ask you a question. I want you to raise your hand only if you believe it's true. How many of you believe that there's nothing impure in God, that God is a holy God? How many of you believe that God is a holy God? Now look at you, raise your hand. You're saying, I believe that God's a holy God. The number one attribute of God in the Old Testament and the number one attribute of God in the New Testament is that he's a holy God. And when you became a Christian, watch this, God put himself inside of you god put his holiness inside of you you are never going to be holy without god's holy spirit being inside of you are you with me on this 
The Holy Spirit is not on the outside. The Holy Spirit is on your inside. Holiness happens from the inside out. We can't pass enough rules to get people to be holy. Anytime we pass rules, we just break all the rules. We don't have enough police officers to enforce you being holy. Holy happens from the inside out. And when you got saved, God put his Holy Spirit inside of you. So holiness means that the Holy Spirit is inside of you and changing you from the inside out. No matter how bad you would like to be holy, you will never be holy without God's help. Amen? But the flip side of that is just as true. No matter how bad God wants you to be holy, you will never be holy without your cooperation with God. That's why the text says you need to prepare your minds. You need to be self-controlled. You need to be sober. You need to be obedient. That's why he says, do not conform. That's what verse 15, look at it again. Just as he who called you is holy, so you need to be holy in all that you do. God has a part, and you have a part. And here's what happens. It's easy to understand this. We live here in this world, and the world just rubs off on us. Why does the world rub off on us? Well, it's easy. It's because we listen to the music of the world. And we watch the movies of the world. And we're looking at all the social, we follow all the social accounts of people that are in the world. And we hang out with people who've denied the Lord and who've cursed God. The Bible puts it this way in 1 Corinthians 15, 33. Bad company corrupts good morals. I can be a man with good moral. All I got to do is hang around people that are corrupt and it corrupts me. You have to start making decisions on where you go and what you do and who you spend your time with. There was a man who went out and got drunk one night and he came home and his face had been covered with cuts and scratches because he'd gotten a fight at the bar. He knew when he walked in he was going to get in trouble with his wife. And so he sneaks into the bathroom, he finds the band-aids, and he begins to fix his face up. And then he sneaks into bed and goes to sleep. He thinks that he's fooled his wife. And the next morning he wakes up, he opens his eyes to find his wife standing above him, staring down at him. And she says, you got drunk last night, didn't you? He goes, no, honey, no way, that's not me. Well, she said, if it wasn't you, then who was it that put Band-Aids all over the bathroom mirror? And just as his wife was not fooled, listen, the Lord is not going to be fooled by people here on earth who claim that they're Christians, but you live just like the world. One day we will all stand before God and we will give an account for everything we do and everything we say here on this earth. We used to sing that song when I was a little kid. Oh, be careful, little hands, what you do. Oh, be careful, little hands, what you do. For the Father up above, looking down in love, 
Oh, be careful, little hands, what you do. Oh, be careful, little ears, what you hear. Oh, be careful, little ears, what you hear. For the Father up above is looking down in love. Oh, be careful, little ears, what you hear. Oh, be careful, little eyes, what you see. Oh, be careful, little eyes, what you see. For the Father up above is looking down in love. Oh, be careful, little eyes, what you see. Oh, be careful, little feet, where you go. Oh, be careful, little feet, where you go. For the Father up above is looking down in love. Oh, be careful, little feet, where you go. There was some Pavarotti in that. Did you hear it? <laughs> Peter says to people who are in the world and the whole, they feel like they're going against the world. He's saying, whatever you do, whatever you do, do not conform. Do not give in and go with the flow. You be holy. God has called you out amongst the world and shine like the stars against that universe. Amen. Amen. Second thing he says, write this down, is do not forget what Jesus Christ did for you. He says in verse 17, I want to read through this, since you call on a father who judges each man's work, and that's the point, that's why you need to be holy, is one day we will all stand before God, he will judge each man's work impartially, live your lives as strangers. You feel, he calls them a stranger, he tells them here, go ahead and keep living life as a stranger here, always in fear for God, verse 18. For you know that it was not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you were redeemed from the empty way of life that was handed down to you from your forefathers. You were not saved with silver or gold. How are you saved? Don't ever forget how you got saved. Verse 19, but it was with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. God sent his son to live on this earth for 33 years, not once. In those 33 years, did he ever sin? He never sinned. So that when he died on that cross, he was a lamb without defect. He was the perfect sacrifice. And when Jesus Christ shed his blood, that blood was for the forgiveness of your sins and the forgiveness of my sins. Don't ever forget what Jesus Christ did for you. And then he says, verse 20, he was chosen before the creation of the world. Before the world was ever created, God knew that he was going to send his son Jesus to die on a cross for you. God knew that before the world was ever created. And it was revealed in those last times for your sake, verse 21, and through him you believe in God who raised him from the dead and glorified him so that your faith and hope are in God. Okay, I got all that. Why do I need to remember all that? Well, here's the reason why in verse 22. Now that you have purified yourselves by obeying the truth, your salvation came through Jesus Christ, that you now have sincere love for your brothers. Love one another deeply from the heart. He's saying as you remember the love that God had for you, you should pass that love on to those around you don't forget the background here all right this is important these are people who are being mistreated these are people who are being persecuted these are people who are who are being uh, looked down upon during this exact same period of time nero was in charge of rome 
and Nero actually burned Rome to the ground and he blamed the Christians. He was wanting to rebuild Rome to make it even more grand and more glorious. But when the the city began to burn, people got upset. So he says, don't be mad at me. It was those Christians. The Christians burned this city down. And so Christians were even more vilified. They were more marginalized. And so they were more hated. And Peter comes along and says, hey, I know it's tough for you right now as a Christian. There's a lot of people who don't like you. But here's the point. Don't ever forget what Jesus Christ did for you. Because when you remember what Jesus Christ did for you, it enables you, write this down, to be more loving. Even to those people who are marginalizing you. Towards those people who are mistreating you. That's what the Bible's all about, isn't it? Isn't it the Bible just about us receiving the love of God and then we look around to people, even people who mistreat us, and love them with the love of Jesus Christ? Isn't that the gospel? I want to read some verses. Just look at the screen. I'm just going to read through them. The Bible says in John 13, A new command I give you to love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this all men will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Romans 13 verse 8, Let no debt remain outstanding except the continuing debt to love one another. For he who loves his fellow man has fulfilled the entire law of God. 1 Thessalonians 4, 9, now about brotherly love. Uh, We do not need to even write to you, for you yourselves have been taught by God to love each other. 1 John 3, verse 11, this is the message that you've heard from the very, very beginning, that we should love one another. 1 John 3, 18, dear children, let us not love with words or with tongue, but love in action and in truth. 1 John 4, 7, dear friends, let us love one another for love comes from God, and everyone who love has been born of God and knows God. And then Jesus said these words in Matthew 5, You have heard that it was said to love your neighbor and to hate your enemy. But Jesus says, I tell you to love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Oh, there comes a point when you understand what Jesus Christ did when he died on that cross. He died because... He loves sinners. He loved Judas, and Judas betrayed him. He loved Peter. Peter denied him. He loved Saul. Saul persecuted him. And in the same way, he loves you, and he loves me. He loves lost people, and he's calling us, the church, To love others who are denying him. To love others who are betraying him. To love those who are persecuting him. And he's also calling us to love those who persecute us. Because how else are they ever going to be saved? How are they ever going to know about the love of Christ? They're never walking into this church. But they will rub shoulders with you in the workplace and at school and at the mall. And when they see the love of Christ in you, it's the love that they see in you that points people to the love they see in Christ. We hope the message you just heard tonight from Pastor Dudley has been a blessing to you. Isaiah 55 11 reminds us, 
that the preaching of God's word never returns void. We want you to know we have phone counselors standing by if you are in need of prayer. Our number is simple to dial. It's 888-818-4777. We know the enemy is always at work with his deliberate and calculated attacks against us. So please don't hesitate to call us if you are alone and need to pray with someone right now. Again, our phone number is 888-818-4777. We also want you to know that Pastor Dudley Rutherford has a monthly devotional that he'd like to share with you. You can easily sign up to receive this devotional by simply going to our website, liftupjesus.com, and clicking on a link at the top of the page that says Monthly Devotional. There is a place on the monthly devotional page where you can enter your name and email address and begin receiving Pastor Dudley's monthly devotions on a regular basis. It's that simple. This is just one of the many resources we offer on our website, liftupjesus.com. That website again is liftupjesus.com. I'm Kyle Welch, hoping you'll join us again tomorrow night at this same time here on KKLA as we lift up Jesus with Pastor Dudley.